big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we're talking all about sex education, the Netflix series, which is just um, series three is just out, has been out for a few days, which we both mm. watched and we would love to talk about it and some of the themes, so many lovely themes in it. Mm. We this talk. Is, yes, mm. carry on. I was just saying, it's like, this is like one of my favorite conversations to have. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. We'll have to keep this under an hour. Uh, but, yes, so many good, beautiful, juicy things to talk about in in, um, in this series. Um, so we might just say if you haven't watched Series 3 yet, you know, we're probably going to give some spoilers in this as we talk. So maybe go watch it first and then come back and listen to it. But we don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't um, watched it yet. So, uh, so yeah, you could just we'll just put that up the top of our podcast. Um, now let's quickly check in, Marion. How are you? What is going on? How has your week been? It's been enjoyable. Just the kind of same, same. It, we go in lockdown and out of lockdown and into lockdown. So it might, I just, you know, have those first few days of making sure I've got food and so on and then get back into my little quiet life in the country, bike rides beautiful. and dog walks and, you know, all the things. That's How about beautiful. you? How about you oh, it's like it's I, I am in Melbourne and it's like it's it's complete chaos here at the moment. There's a lot of big feelings going on. If we were to explain Melbourne, we'd go, it's a lot of feelings. We had an earthquake yesterday. It's such a match, isn't it? Energetically. I'm like, yeah, that's a match. Oh, <laughs> my God. I was on the phone to one of my clients and then there was an earthquake and I'm like, um, can you feel that? And she's like, yep. And I said, let's just, I'm just going to call you back because I was just like, what the hell? My kids are walking out of the room going, what's going on? And I'm like, oof, this is big. Yeah. So that was a bit of an excitement. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty full on here at the moment. There's a lot of big feelings going on. There's a lot of big energy. Um, yeah. So it, it doesn't feel the nicest place to live and we're still in lockdown. I think today officially we became the most lockdown city in the world, which is not a good claim to fame, but that is where we are. And so it is very understandable that there's a lot of feelings for a lot of people at the moment and um yeah we're all doing the best we can to to navigate it so given all of that I'm pretty good (laughs) I'm moving in and out of waves of feelings and stuff but right now in this moment it's good I've actually been really quiet which I have said on the podcast just laying low but this week I did a training for um for some new guides or what we call guides who are teachers at my school so I did a beautiful online training for them for a few hours which is amazing and I got to do a big talk yesterday for the resilience project um for a whole lot of people and that was wonderful so all of a sudden I feel like I'm coming out of my shell a bit more to do some more work which is nice so Mm. yes riding the waves of this very interesting time anyway let's just put a pin in that because let's talk about sex education because I love this show so much I have to say right up my my girls I my husband and I and my teenage daughters we all watched it together um it was so fun it was like special time together all like you know present time just watching it together we got popcorn and Maltesers and we sat there and we laughed and every time someone did something great you know my daughter would 
go, yes, queen. And then, and then I would like, we would high five when stuff happened. It was so great. And then we would break down certain topics. It was just the best to have not only a, what we call a teachable moment, that's language that's often used in sex education, but uh, just connection and bonding and just looking forward to watching stuff together. It was so incredible. And after we finished watching the series, we did, the, I don't know if people know, there's this thing called BuzzFeed, which are like these kooky little things where you can you answer questions and it tells you who you are. And my girls are like, mom, asking me these questions. And then it came up that I was Jean, who's like, you know, the main character. And I'm like, Jean is is my spirit animal. (laughs) In the first few seasons, you know, there's this one part where she's standing at the door and um, they're asking her something. And she's like, I'm just about to go and teach a workshop on vaginas. And my daughter like messages me and she goes, mom, she's you. Like she's just, (laughs) she's got the same props as you. She's got all of those things. And I should probably just say, if people are just listening and don't know my background I actually taught sex education for about five or six years to teenagers which is um why I feel so passionate about this topic but also why I have many many different props in my house I have knitted uteruses and penises and I have all these giant clitorises and fantastic stuff that I used to take to my classes with the kids so um yeah my my kids are just like oh my god mum that character is based on you <laughs> so there we go but I'm not into getting pregnant at 47, so I'll just say that. We'll just make that very, very clear. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, done. the same. Well, she, uh, Jeannie Nansen, I think, is the same age as me, but yeah, her right. character is the similar yeah. age to, to yes. isn't she? Her character. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, there's a note to that. Anyway, we've got so many things <laughs> we're going to dive into and talk about here. I, I just want to start firstly from. Um, because I love. Well, you're going to let me have an. I am. I am. I am. I just. <laughs> I just want to say this one bit first. <laughs> no, I'm joking. What I love about this is that, um, you know, I, I, my teens, obviously, I watched it with them, and he, and you know, speaking to their friends and going, "Have you watched it?" And so many of them say the same thing. This is the one show that they believe is out there that is actually a real representation of what it's like being a teenager and navigating these things. And I think that is just such praise to the writers and the creators of this show that they really hit the mark on topics that need to be spoken about and I mean there's so many beautiful rich topics that go through this whole season or all three seasons really and you know from a teenager's point of view and the ones that I've spoken to have all said ah it's right on point and they love it and and it really has hit the mark with them with what teenagers worry about and care about and want to know about and all those kind of thing so yeah that's that's why I'm a big fan and I think the teenagers agree too all right what do you want to talk about Marianne no, no, I, was just joking. I, was <laughs> I love your enthusiasm and passion for this I'm just seeing how much you love talking about it yeah I want to say mine was quite a contrast I asked both of my teenage son and daughter if they wanted to watch it with me and they're like nope <laughs> we do not want to watch it with you um I do want to say as well I want to say the acting I'm absolutely in awe of the acting just by everybody like yes. it's it's a second to none isn't it it's so incredible the whole thing just amazing anyway carry on well I think you know some of the things that came up that are really beautiful or, or the main things that stood out to me is as well as really amazing topics and storylines it was a lot about love and um, navigating intimacy, a lot about consent as well, which is beautiful and something that we need to often talk about. Lots around sexuality, who we're attracted to, how we feel in our bodies, lots of beautiful stuff around um, just navigating pleasure as well and what that looks like. And am I entitled to 
pleasure. You know, there's also themes about um, Amy had that beautiful theme of having um feeling being sexual assaulted, uh, sexually assaulted, and how that was playing out for her, which I think was such a beautiful thing to bring some awareness around, and how she was supported in this, and how she could get help around that, which is you know I know is a very re- real thing for a lot of teenagers that they may go through. Uh, but I also think what it highlighted was relationships, so friendships that really highlighted those relationships, um, the parent-child relationship, you know, intimate relationship. There was so much beauty around the different relationships and what um, I think stood out for me really clearly and what we all talked about as a family was in those dynamics of those relationships whenever a character actually stood up for themselves and was actually like "Mm, that doesn't feel good for me or no I can't do that just to keep you happy or and every time we'd be like yes go you right go (laughs) you honor yourself you know you are worthy of feeling loved and and having those boundaries or or having a big yes or a no. And that that was really beautiful. Like I love that that played out a lot through so many of the relationships that we saw in, in this season. Yeah. Do you know what the, you know the bit that I, one of the bits I love the most was really seeing the evolution of the characters as well. Mm-hmm. You know, for me looking at that cultural conditioning, you know, particularly about Michael, who was who had been the head teacher and, you know, how harsh he was to his son Adam and how we Mm. saw how Adam started off in that first series as being you know that Mm. using power over everyone and that the evolution I've really really enjoyed seeing the evolution of their characters and such you know so much hope the the possibility of healing and Mm. change and um, healing from old hurts and actually Mm. becoming open to love and you know so we've seen that with Adam in series two how he was getting more and more comfortable with actually his sexuality but expressing his feelings and even more so in this series and how I just I felt so much joy seeing him go from that you know that hard shut down you know in so much pain to increasingly open and actually this series expressing his feelings and what he actually felt and you know that I just find it so incredibly touching and I think for me you know when I went to school in England just seeing so many of those kinds of people as teens that you know the hard ones that were you know they were called hard or cool mm. and actually all the hurt that they were carrying and mm. I, I've just really really loved seeing that that them open up and mm. Michael open up and become and actually you know hearing his story that it was his dad mm. that shamed him and was so apt yes. for aware parenting didn't we see that scene where mm. he's crying and his dad's what does his dad say something like you you know stop crying you're not a girl or something yes. like that and the shame you can see that embedded mm. shame and how yeah. he then became harsh to his son and then how how that got carried down but yet how they're both shifting so much mm-hmm. you know when he's that scene where he's um you know he'd been asked what do you love and he didn't mm-hmm. he couldn't connect with anything any joy and he's chopping up all the veggies and then and singing and the mm-hmm. the awakening that's possible to that we can heal from these massive hurts around our feelings and our true selves mm-hmm. and we can really get free from this I just I found it so incredibly beautiful and just the the you know the two of them in particular and similarly ruby mm. her character that same thing the the girl who's the the coolest and uses the most power over and of course again ends up opening and and you know we really see what her home environment's like and i just see this so often for you know this is how things are in this culture that we see these people and so apt for these times i think isn't it because 
you know, I go on about is the that power over and how it gets passed down and how we see it so much in, and it's becoming even more clear mm. in the world is it's so often those those little boys who were shamed and that, you know it can be girls too but so often the little boys who are shamed as, as children become so disconnected from their lovingness and their vulnerability and their connectedness and their felt sense of love and care and their feelings uh, and that enables them to do all the terrible things that get done to other humans and uh, the planet and animals and all things because they're so you know there's that big hard shell that they're protecting themselves from so I think that's why you know for the fact they have those stories where it is really possible to really radically shift that that's you know I love that so much. And I think there's also that beautiful theme about being who you are. And this is why I love Eric. Like we've all decided we want Eric to be our best friend. Oh, Eric is um, great. <laughs> love, every time he comes on, I'm like, oh, my God, you are just such light and fun and magnificent. Yes. Um, and, you know, I love well, what his character represents about being him, being himself. And and as if you've watched the progression over the oh. three series, you will see where he's claiming who he is and that, that it doesn't matter what other people think and, you know, who I am. And, and I think that's what I loved to see too. There were quite a few themes of that to be, to own who you are, you know, in, and, and even Otis, the journey that he's had to actually this through this whole season too, you know, he naturally, you know, I mean, what a wise, beautiful young character he plays. But I love that he was, he's he's a male and he's talking about feelings and he's tuning into people and he's he's portraying that beautiful empathy and understanding and actually then coming to the place where he owns. I, I'm actually good at this and I can do this and there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I just, I, I love that so much. You, you know, they're just such beautiful, rich characters. I think there's so much, um, there's so much you can see in them and what they offer. It's just, it's beautiful, really beautiful. And, and wasn't it lovely too about, you know, Ruby and he that, you know, it, it looks how it starts off looking like that she's just telling him what to do. And but actually by him just being, himself he's not being any kind of stereotype of yes. what this culture says uh you know a young man needs to be and of mm. course that's what you know there's where the love happens for mm. her but again it's just it's so yummy isn't it such mm. wonderful, wonderful yes 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 so many rich characters but one thing we did both want to talk about too which which was the one part where I was like guess what it is let's say to the listeners can you guess what was the thing what was the thing that we had the uh about we could do a little quiz no we'll we'll tell you what what is it give you a second well it's the thing I always yell about whenever I see anything in a movie or on television it is always to do with birth because how birth is betrayed on television is always it's either an emergency, it's high drama, the woman is out of control, she's yelling at her partner for doing something, she's going to die, the baby's going to die. We never, ever, ever see powerful, beautiful birth portrayed on television. And, and you know, I as soon as the birth scene came up, or every, my whole family looked at me and I just went, oh, <laughs> they were like, oh, mum's not going to be happy with this. But I was like, oh, man, you know, as you just said to me before, Marion, so many teenagers are watching this and already there is so much fear collectively around birth because that's what we get fed subconsciously in the media and and, and birth can be challenging. Please know, you know, I am, I've worked in birth for a really long time and such a lover of birth, but what we teach teenagers about, it sticks with them and that 
sets up some big imprints for when they come to that point in their life. And I love what you shared with me before we started recording about Jillian's character. Do you want to talk about that? Because I thought yeah. that was- well, I mean, number one, I'd say they um, have such an opportunity and yet so the series is so forward thinking in terms of sexuality and what's, what's, you know, what's linked to a sex it's birth. And yet that's still so much that disconnected domination culture perspective portrayed. And for me, Jillian's character, Jean, she Jean. would have, um, she would have been into me. She would have been like, uh, no, I'm going to have an orgasmic birth and I'm going to having a home birth or it would be unassisted. You know, she would have been really into like, uh, you know, really going for it in the way that's a fit for the rest of her life. She's not going to be just how it shifted her into a really different character. And I even noticed like the the clothes that they had for her. I mean, I know she had some velvet and stuff like that, which was nice, but suddenly to me, she also went from being a really sexy, older, powerful woman to this stereotype of a pregnant woman where she, you know, they had clothes became kind of dowdy. She, you know, she lost that spark Mm-hmm. Um, and she had that kind of stereotypical, which I, I don't see many women when they're actually pregnant doing, you know, always walking, you know, with a hand behind the back and you know, leaning into the chair. And, you know, she was only like 30 weeks pregnant, I think, by the end, because, you know, the baby was that right about 32 weeks or something. Anyway, just the whole thing seems so out of sorts with the whole of the rest of what they've been working towards. They could they could have just made that so amazing. Mm-hmm. To look mm. at different possibilities mm. for birth and you know for having a, or just a really empowered hospital birth she she would have done that wouldn't she she wouldn't yeah. have she just didn't fit for me yeah. at all yeah no I agree with you and look you know I get the storyline of the baby coming early and all that kind of stuff but there could have still been real power in it for her, couldn't they? Yes. You know, when I, the reason why I started teaching sex ed was many, many years ago when my son was in high school, when we had like a parent teacher interview chat and I'm chatting to his coordinator and he asked me what I did. And I told him that I was a, um, a um, birth educator. He was like, oh, my God, could you come and talk to the year nine class about um, about birth? And I was like, yeah, for sure. So I, I went into the class and I absolutely right from the beginning was like, I am going to talk about the power of birth and how amazing it is and how brilliant women's bodies are. And so the videos I showed, I really was very careful because I wanted them to see women, empowered women giving birth. Now, the kids loved it. When they watched this video, they all clapped and cheered at the end. <laughs> I have this young girl come up to me she goes oh my god I never knew it could be like I was like okay just remember you're 15 and um contraception's really important right now um but what was amazing is the coordinator said to me he said for days after the kids were talking about it and they were asking questions about it and they were like you know and some were just like whoa that's really full on but I really wanted to make a point that you know what we are shown often in the media around birth is it makes for good television right it's drama there's always a storyline we can play in it but we need to see that birth can be powerful and amazing and I know that's not always the way right I know that challenges in birth can happen and there's a lot of fear that can happen and you know it's a huge experience giving birth but what we start the conversations around with our teens matters massively massively because I think you know that sits in their subconscious and when they get to that point in their life you know that's where we draw from what is what have I seen what have I been told what do I believe about this and what is possible Mm. do you know what I'm remembering you know when I was preparing for my daughter's birth who's 19 and I was preparing for an unassisted birth I just watched I had and back in those days it was 
uh, it was even VHS. I don't think it was even the DVDs, <laughs> the videos. And there was like two that I'd found that were pleasurable and orgasmic and gorgeous. And I just watched them over and over and over and over, and over again because we, yeah, we just very rarely see that in the in the mainstream media anyway. Although it's different nowadays. Now you can mm. actually see things. You can actually see those kinds of things on mm. Instagram, even though you get yeah. the sensitive content. You can actually see stuff. Yes, that we just didn't seem to get pictures of or videos no. of back in those days. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So I think, you know, in the season of sex education, that was the one part that I definitely was disappointed in because I was like, oh, that could have been a really beautiful, powerful imprint. You know, I mean, one of the other things that was really poignant that we wanted to touch on too was the piece around shame in the storyline as well when um, the head teacher Hope um, shames the kids for for being, you know, for whatever it is that they've done. And that was, I mean, that was uncomfortable to watch, wasn't it, that part? Yeah, because uh, shame is still used so often in schools and all over the places in parenting in this culture. I mean, we see, we're seeing shaming happening in the world a lot at the moment right now. And it's a powerful, I often see it as a powerful tool of the disconnected domination culture because that's how it's a really powerful way to keep people in line and exactly as you know happened in in the show is you do that to people and it's really disempowering and, mm. and shame is so painful and so uncomfortable that we will often do almost anything to try and avoid feeling it we will do things that actually don't you know don't are not true to our hearts and souls to avoid mm. being shamed so I think it was very yeah very painful to watch wasn't it mm. yes and I think I'm sure that we as adults, you know, listening to our podcast here, you can remember times at school when you were perhaps shamed for saying the wrong thing or speaking up or, you know, being perceived as doing something naughty or, you know, often it's, it's exactly as you're saying, Marion, it's still used a lot to control people. It's still used a lot in schools and education. I mean, even putting kids' names on the board or moving their numbers, you know, on the on a star next to them, whether they've been good or not. And if they haven't, they get to move down the line and just all of that it is all still based on that whole shame control element and that, you know, that, that has got to go. It's got to go. It's yeah. yeah, it's really horrible. And, and I'm glad that they put that in the season in the series, because I think it helps people to say, yeah, no, that's not good. And why, why are we still doing that? Because it's so powerful because that then it becomes internalized shame. And those, you know, those are the things that we see people working with 20 and 30 years later, that internalized shame and that internal shaming. Mm. It's, it's just horrific and mm. yeah, really powerful mm. for them to um, demonstrate. And again, of course, we see why does she do that? Because she feels powerless. So we see mm. her backstory and how she feels powerless. And of course, that's what happens as we've talked about in our powerless and powerlessness episodes. Mm. Uh, it's powerlessness that creates power over and the desire to do stuff. Shaming mm. is a great way to have power over a mm. child or a teenager. Mm, totally. And I think that shame piece also, um, you know, is, is deeply connected to sex as well. And I think that is something that I uh, have definitely seen in, in working in this field for a little bit, actually probably more in the parents and, and that can often get passed on to the teenagers that often, and this is one of my big things, when we don't have conversations with our kids around sex, right? So when it's, you know, when we're feeling this um, embarrassment or we just don't want them to do it or we've got our own story with it, often in the absence of conversation about 
about it, then children pick up on, gosh, there's something about this. This mustn't be okay. And then often a shame story can come from wanting to feel pleasure or wanting to be sexual or wanting to like somebody or, or, or you know, being with multiple partners. You know, it is still alive and well, this shame piece around sex and sexuality. And, um, you know, it's, it's a huge, it was a huge motivation for me when I first started working in sex ed and particularly looking at my own story with my kids is that I did not want them to carry any shame around their bodies and around sexuality because that's what I did growing up. You know, for me, it wasn't because my parents, um, you know, said anything. It was because they didn't say anything that I just thought, oh, wow, this is this is not good or there's something bad about this. And so so I carried a shame story and that was my mum's story as well, you know, and, and as adults we have definitely talked about it. And I remember thinking I do not want my children to carry any shame um, around their sexuality or around exploring or around pleasure and all those kind of things. So, you know, to make sure they didn't do that, I ended up teaching sex education and made sure everything was accessible (laughs) I like to go right to the edge of of making sure I really really get it out there um and you know in teaching sex and I wanted to just bring up a few of these points because I think this is so important because I know a lot of the the people who listen to our podcast do have little kids and um you know they might be early on in their parenting journey and one of the things that I love to share is that um talking to our kids about sex is not just one talk that you have when your kids are starting to go through puberty you know talking to kids about sex is many 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 beautiful conversations that can come up just from you know natural teachable moments where you know whether it's little people you know when they're learning about the names of anatomy and they're seeing that somebody's body looks different to theirs and then talking about, you know, the correct names for, for genitals or that, you know, where all bodies look different or whether it's hearing something on the radio with your, you know, seven-year-old and and then you might say, hey, do you know what it is that they're talking about there? And then you can just have a just an open conversation, you know, there and then. It isn't just one talk where we sit down and talk about this is how we make a baby and this is what sex is. It is lots and lots of beautiful, rich conversations over time that we normally so that it becomes a topic that we can just talk about. It isn't something that we need to feel embarrassed or ashamed about. It's just a normal conversation that we can have. And, you know, there's particularly when when people have got little kids, there's a few tips that I love to give to just about how we have these conversations and, and the places to start. Um, and I want to just say firstly right off the bat, there are so many brilliant resources out there on um, creating positive imprints with our children around sex and sexuality. So one website I just want to mention is called sexedrescue.com. Kath Hackinson has got the most amazing resources on her website. We'll put it in the show notes, a link to her website. Uh, she's got everything from a course, courses you can do on how to talk to kids about sex, like age appropriate stuff. She reviews books and books are the most wonderful way to open up conversations with your kids. So every book that she has on her website, she does a review of, so you can understand what's in the book before you buy it. And she's got every age, every topic, you know, you could just look for eight-year-old boy uh, puberty and there's a book for you or, you know, 12-year-old girl, you know, sex and there's a book there. So go and check out that resource. It is amazing because she really holds your hand through how you can do it as a parent and then gives you lots of great resources you can access. 
So things like sexedrescue.com is such a great um, resource. There's another amazing, um, it's an American uh, website called amaze.org and um, Amaze has all these beautiful animations. There's ones for kids, one for teens, one for adults on all the different topics, again, around sexuality. And that's a brilliant resource that, um, that you can take a look at, which will help you also what languaging do you want to use and what are the age-appropriate topics. So that's another brilliant resource that you can look at if you're feeling like, oh, my God, I don't, I don't know how to have these conversations. But I want to start if you've got little people, you know, one of the, you know, the, the key things you want to talk about when your kids are little, and it's really good to understand that for children, um, sex or making babies is really all about biology. It doesn't become about intimacy and pleasure and all those kind of things until often they reach puberty. So it's the same thing as if you said to your four-year-old, you know, you four you might might come to you and say, how do you make a baby? They're also, it's, for them, it's the same as going, what happened? How do I poo? Like what happens? I put food in my mouth and I chew it and then digest it and it comes out in poo. Um, so it's, it's, it kind of sits on the same level as that is, you know, oh, you need a sperm and an egg and they come together and that's one way we can make a baby. And, and um, to them, it's really just biology. So I know a lot of parents often get really freaked out of like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to my kids about sex, but really up until about the age of, you know, nine, 10, or, or when we start to have those sex hormones start to happen in kids' bodies, it really is just about biology. It's just like, that's how things work. And it's often that we put our lens on top of it of, well, gosh, I'm going to talk about sex, all those kind of things that we kind of get freaked out. So it's just information. That's often what we do. And, and books can be brilliant at helping our kids understand that. And one of the key reasons of why it is so important to do that is because we want kids to feel empowered and informed and understand how their bodies work. It is so important that we understand how our bodies work. And particularly if we have these conversations with our kids from a young age, then we are opening up to just normalize conversations to um, make it safe enough for them to come and ask you questions. You know, I think this is why it's such a great thing to get comfortable with it in yourself so that it becomes something that kids go, ah, you know, this is this is something I can ask. And, and one of the key reasons why we want our kids to come and ask is because, and this is where the conversation feels tricky, is because pornography is our biggest sex educator at the moment. And the, the kind of average age of children being exposed to, exposed to pornography is about 10 years of age. And that's not because they go looking for it. It's often because they stumble across it. And so um, we want to become the number one educator for our kids, not pornography. So when we start having these conversations from young ages uh, with our children, then they begin to learn, ah, this is what it is to be a human. This is a normal part of life. And, and then they're getting the right information that we want, not what they might stumble across later or what their friends may tell them about. So there's some of the key amazing reasons why it can be so empowering to start opening up these conversations with our kids um, about sex from, from a young age. Mm, you also have a lovely resource as well, don't you? How to talk to kids about Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a webinar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I forget about that. Yeah, I do have a two-hour webinar that's um that's, that's on my website, yeah, which actually goes through all these things. And it also talks about the types of conversations you want to have at, at what ages. And um, thank you for saying that, Marion. Yeah, it's a really great resource that you can, that will get you started really on the journey. And I talk about lots of other amazing resources out there that you can tap into as well. So yeah, that is a, that is a good resource. <laughs> Forget about promoting my own things. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You know, when, sorry, you're going to say. Mm, thank you for that. 
No, I was just going to say too, look, you know, um, what I have found over the years too working with parents around this topic is, you know, you kind of seem to sometimes have two types of kids, one who are going to ask you everything all the time, you know, even when they're little, they're going to be like, how does this work and how's that made and where does a baby come from? And then you'll have children who don't ever ask questions. And just because they're not asking questions doesn't mean they're not interested. And that's why I think, again, books can be such a wonderful resource to sit and read with your kids or to leave them around for them to have a look at and then just have, you know, conversations about, you know, do, do you understand what happens there? And and so it's really good to know that, you know, there's wonderful kids who will just be really upfront and go, tell me more about this and then others that don't. And, and it's just as important for those kids who don't to make sure they have access to that information. Um, one other thing I want to say, Mary Mom, is um, you know, one of the other huge pieces that pops up for me in doing in when I was working with kids and with adults around sexuality is that that often our imprints are our stories around sexuality. So what that was like for us are going to turn up with our kids, like with everything we talk about with the word parenting, often what was done to us or our experiences of it can impact how we respond to our children. So it can be really normal to feel awkward or unsure or embarrassed about having these conversations with our kids, mainly because we never had someone talk to us in a positive way around it. When I used to run these workshops, I always used to ask people, okay, well, what did your parents sit down with you and give you this fully comprehensive, um, you know, informational about sex and sexuality and intimacy and pleasure and all these kind of things? And everyone laughs and like, no, like I may have got a bad pamphlet or, um, you know, I discovered my dad's playboys or um, my older sister told me something or, you know, most of us didn't get what we really needed when it came to understanding our bodies and sex and intimacy and relationships and all those kind of things. So it makes a lot of sense why it can bring up feelings for us. And, you know, when, when you were what if you have watched sex education i wonder if the teenage part of you popped up anywhere while you were watching it whether you were like oh god i remember that or you know i i went through a similar experience or gosh i wish someone had have given me that information or wouldn't it have been awesome to have access to jean when uh when i was you know 15 who i could have gone to or even otis <laughs> to ask those those questions of you know what is it that you would have wanted when you were a teenager and can you provide that for your own teens or can you, you know, look at some of your own stories so that you create space to have a different dynamic with your kids as they grow? It'd be great to have an Otis everywhere in every, in every group of young people. <laughs> wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for me, that's one of the problems that often comes up with teens as well is that if it doesn't feel safe to go to an adult, they will go to their peers yeah. and you have to remember that their peers are learning at the same time as well. And that's why we do need older mentors or guides or or people that, that kids can go to to say, well, what about this and how does that look? And, again, there's some really amazing websites. There's another great website uh, for teens. It's called Scala Teen. Uh, it's a, an American website, I think, and they have the most amazing articles and information on there. Like if you wanted to learn about anything to do with bodies or sexuality or anything, that is the place to go. Like I've actually used it as a resource sometimes when I used to teach sex ed, the kids used to write anonymous questions. And I remember getting one once and thinking, I don't even 
how to answer that. So I actually went to Scarletine and went, oh, that's a good answer. <laughs> so I found the information there and went back and shared it. Um, so I think, you know, that that is just so vital that we give our teens access to the right information so they can make choices that feel good for them and, and also so they hopefully have pleasurable experiences. That's the goal here. We want them to have good, safe, pleasurable experiences. Yay. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah. What was it like for you, Marion, watching it, like the teenage part of you? Did, were there cringy parts for you or there parts that you were like, oh, I remember stuff like that? Mm, I don't know. They weren't actually. I mean, I certainly felt excruciatingly uncomfortable as a teenager, but I think I think I was in my adult self just so enjoying all that. Like, oh, my gosh, look at that. You know, my, my um, psychology head was on. You know, I was in that identity, so I wasn't really connecting with the younger parts as mm. I was watching it. Did, mm. you, did you have any that showed up for you? Um, not so much. Like I, I mean, if anything, I just I watched those characters and thought, God, I wish I would have been that free when I was their age. You know, I wish I could have felt as confident and just knowing what I wanted and I was super awkward and um, I don't know, are we all just awkward? <laughs> like, I don't know. And um, I think that that's, you know, what I've watched, but I must say, look, having, you know, teens and also teaching sex ed, I think years ago when I started teaching sex ed, I realized I've got to get really comfortable with all the parts of me that are uncomfortable because I'm going to stand up in front of a room of 30, 40. One time I had 90 17 and 18 year old boys that I had to teach to. I have to tell you, I remember walking to that class thinking, oh my God, am I going to get crucified? (laughs) Because there's all these boys sitting there with all this bravado and here comes this like middle-aged woman walking to the class to talk to them about sex. And I thought, oh my God, they are going to just hate this. And I thought, you know what, I've got to win them over. And it's, it's times like that where you're so put under the pump where you think, all right, what do I know about humans? Well, what I know is you've got to, you've got to, you know, call it straight up. And um, what I did do is I walked into that class and I, I said to the boys, all right, you know, my name's Lael. I'm here to talk to you guys about sex for the next 45 minutes or so. I want to know here who thinks they know everything about sex. And they all put their hands up and I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Good on you guys. Right. And I said, well, you know, I'm 45. I'm still learning. But all right. My next question to you all is this, who wants to be a good lover? And they all like, were like, oh yeah, I want to be a good lover. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, okay. And then I picked up my giant clitoris I had and I said, who can tell me what this is? (laughs) And then they were just like, oh, is it a crochet hook or what is it? (laughs) And from that moment they were in and then we had the most brilliant 45-minute class, lots of laughing, lots of talking about respect and pleasure and feeling good and what that looks like and lots about, you know, anatomy and you know, different bits and pieces. And it was actually a brilliant class. And at the end I had, um, <laughs> there was about three, there were three male teachers sitting at the back and they came to me at the end and they just went, oh, my God, I just learned so much then. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I hope your partner's happy now. You. You'll get thank you notes in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think, I mean, that experience, I remember walking out of that and going, oh, God, that was pretty full on. But um, I think from having to do things like that, I had to get pretty comfortable with um, all parts of it because, yeah. you know, teens are going to bring 
all those elements and questions. And, you know, my, my biggest thing is like, there's nothing off the table. If I can't answer it, I'll find you the answer. And I want you to feel comfortable in talking about it because it's so important that we feel supported and seen and we get the right information so we can have good, healthy, pleasurable relationships. That's the goal here. That's what we want. And, and I feel, I feel so excited about a show like Sex Education and these amazing resources out there, that, that stuff that we never had when we were teens, that I feel so happy that there is stuff to support youth around all elements of being young and being humans. And, you know, I, I think there's some amazing stuff out there to help them, um, help them navigate this time in their lives. Yeah. And as you said before, you know, to see how what you said about so many teenagers saying this is like so accurate as a representation it's also so much learning for parents to be watching this as well so both yes. both ways isn't it so educational in all ways to really yeah to see where those places of discomfort are and see what mm. can be learned and mm. amazing mm. yeah and and if you are a parent listening who does have teens and you're thinking oh god I don't have these conversations with my kids or I don't know what to do or do they know enough it's never too late to start and, you know, I, again, I'll come back to this, some brilliant books for teenagers. Um, there's a, one of my most favourite books is um, it's called For Fox's Sake and it's by a woman called Ro Murray, R-O-W-M-U-R-R-A-Y. Uh, she's an Australian woman and the book is written for probably about 14 or 15-year-olds up and it's kind of written in the way of like Ro is your fun auntie who you can ask anything and so she talks about everything to do with being a teenager it like every topic but her information is so um it's really factual it's really positive it's really informative there is not one tiny bit of shame in there it really is empowering and you know buying a book like that and giving it to your teenage daughter can be amazing it's mainly for girls that book but um there's a lot of brilliant books out there that can be great to just say to your teen hey you may not want to speak to me about it which is totally cool but i want to make sure you've got the right information trust me they will read it in secret even if they tell you they won't because they're curious they're super curious and again we don't want them kind of accessing pornography as the teacher because you know that pornography is often incredibly violent and doesn't give an accurate representation of sex and relationships and all that kind of stuff so we want to give them access to information that's um that's good and that's healthy Mm. Mm, thanks Lau so mm. wonderful to have all your wisdom yeah, thank you thank you I love this topic I keep talking about it. it's made it made me think after watching sex education oh maybe you should go back and teach teens again and then <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. no <laughs> there's enough going on there's enough going on um one other quick little resource I want to say too because um pornography is is such a huge um influence in our culture there is another brilliant, brilliant website called culturereframed.org. I'm going to make sure we put all these links in our notes. Uh, that is so brilliant. If you've got tweens or teens, it is an online course that's free and you, you can do it on your own or you can do it with your teens. And it basically talks about the impacts of pornography, how it's a billion-dollar industry. It really gives wonderful factual information, again, on the dangers of pornography, how it can be very addictive, what it can set up, you know, subconsciously, what it then makes us think, you know, ple pleasure and sex should look like. It's such a brilliant resource. So as a parent, go and look at it yourself. And then, you know, if you have teens, watch it with them because it's it'll open up those conversations and talk about and make sure that your kids get that information. So that's another really, really brilliant uh, resource that is, is 
is so good and something that that we need to talk about, particularly around pornography, because for older kids that can become a massive, massive issue. Mm. <sighs> mm. Anything else you didn't that you wanted to say? To um, no, I think that was all the pieces I really wanted to share around um, just some some you know tips for you and your kids or wherever you are in the journey or whether you know you just sit and think about "Mm, what is the imprints I'm showing my kids you know the other thing and we talk about this a lot with aware parenting what do we model to our children so you know this is also what do we model around how we feel about our bodies what do we model around um, intimacy and gentleness with each other you know do your kids see you if you have a partner you know touch them tenderly or cuddle or hug you know what do we model around what intimacy and healthy relationship looks like and also healthy body image you know these are things that our children are watching constantly so it's it's that can also be really good stuff to just think about what am I showing my kids about this what am I modeling to them Hmm. so important isn't it we are so powerful as parents Mm, yeah and that, I mean, that we can talk about that as far as relationships and sexuality, but we, we talk about that in our podcast all the time around anger, around tears, around communication. You know, we are always modelling to our kids and they're watching us. So, you know, what is our stuff and what do we need to lean into and what are we, what are we showing them? You know, that, that, that's, that's the huge responsibility of being a parent, isn't it? which can be incredibly overwhelming when you go, oh, my God, they're watching everything I do, you know. Am, am, am I happy with what I'm doing right now? It's often the biggest wake-up call, isn't it, that we might continue doing something to ourselves or in a relationship or something. Then when we see our child copying that and internalising it, that is often the point where we're unwilling to continue that anymore. Mm-hmm. even though we would have carried on doing the rest of our lives if we hadn't yes. actually seen that happen to our love yes. for them supports us in making profound changes in our lives mm, absolutely absolutely so do you have um, some words of wisdom you'd like to leave everybody to think about marion hmm. i think i might go back to the shame the shame piece um which might be do you notice that internal shame, what I call the shame stick? Do you notice where that happens for yourself? And do you notice yourself ever uh, unwittingly or not um, being tempted to do that to your child? And is that something that you might like to um, give some loving tending to in yourself to see what might shift around that? Mm. Mm, I love that. That's such. It's such an apt thing and actually as if you're talking about it you know shame does really sit so much around sexuality for a lot of people and that shame in in the show which was just around them being them you know was yeah it's it's such a a link isn't it yeah it's a big piece shame's very debilitating isn't it it's very heavy to carry um my offering would be oh i've got so many but what i would (laughs) love you to think about is well, again, something that we say most podcasts, what would you have liked when you were little? <laughs> I think that's our standard for most of the things we say now. But when you were a teen, you know, how would you have liked 
to have learned? What would you have hoped or wished the conversations were with your parents? Do you wish you could have come to them with your worries or concerns or had someone else to lean into around that? Or even just before, even before you were a teenager, perhaps going through puberty or in those younger years, what do you wish you had to receive from your parents as far as information or just, um, you know, conversations or just, you know, embodiment of it? What, what would you have wanted or wished for? So, yeah, that's what I would say. Mm, so yummy, Lau. Mm. and do you have what offerings would you like to share about today? well I just have um yes my I have a webinar how to talk to kids about sex which is just really covers right from you know early so from you know babies all the way up to teenagers around the topics that you can talk about how you can discuss them some of the challenges that pop up for parents it's just a really great overall resource of information and lots of um links to other things that you can you know you can hook into and I also have an aware parent Parenting for tweens and teens, which talks a lot about sexuality as well in that. So we talk, I talk a lot about the aware parenting philosophies, I guess, for older kids, but I do talk a lot about sex and sexuality because it's such a huge thing that pops up. Um, in, well, it is, it's massive in the teen years. So, so I do talk a lot more about that in that webinar as well, if anyone's interested. So mm. yummy. Mm. Do you have anything on shame? I don't, but um, so my inner loving presence process is more about that internal process of releasing the inner shame sticks and having a deep internal compassionate dialogue. So that one, but also um, the power, I'm, I'm doing all my power courses at the moment. So there's mm. power and powerlessness in parenting and true power, and I've got a masterclass and we didn't talk so much about it, but really in terms of supporting ourselves to reclaim our true power and our nose and our what I call our will needs so agency and autonomy and choice and I you know I think this is the time for that oh my goodness we could just do we could just do the next five podcasts on power we do the next five or 15 and also you know in terms of what's um you know really supporting children of all ages right from infancy in in having their nose honored and respected which is so much to do with power and will and agency and sexuality but as you said you know this isn't something just happens suddenly when when a a teen is sexually active it's actually listening to their nose is something that we you know if we listen to their nose when they're very little Mm. and support them in that they that's really embodied in them so absolutely Power. Yay for power. Way for true power, not power over. Power. <laughs> yes. Oh, don't we all need that right now in big doses? Yes. All right. Well, thank you everybody for being here. Thank you, Marion. That was a fun conversation. I was looking forward to chatting about this today. One of my most favorite topics. Um, I hope you enjoyed sex education. If you watched it, we would love to hear what your favorite parts are or what, what you yeah, love. So come and share. We yeah. Hear. We'd yeah. love to hear what you loved, what relationships, what characters, what dynamics. I know we haven't touched on every part of it because there was so much in it, but um, I, we, I just, I love that we had this conversation because it just, it ties in so much to again being deeply accepted as the humans that we are and that's what we need in this world more than ever so yeah oh I'd love to offer a loving phrase from both of us Mm. we love you exactly as you are Mm. yes 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 thanks for being here everybody so much love to you Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. 
You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.